Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 54. When I started my Instagram page was just because I did sense some of that stigma, particularly as a healthcare provider and a business person, there's an element of, well, if I talk about my personal mental health struggles, how does that impact how people view me as a professional? Is it going to make me appear less competent? And definitely the other thing I really wanted to accomplish was to encourage people to get active and look at their whole wellness component. So that's one of the things that we've seen as super beneficial is time in nature and time biking and whatever people's passion is hiking, but spending time outdoors. So that's really one of the things I would encourage people to do is whatever their treatment plan is, look at how nature and activity can play into helping. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD, or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. Today, my guest is Beth, and we are actually going to talk about her story of ADHD around her family. And I'm going to ask her some tips and tricks in terms of how do they manage their ADHD in their household and just, you know, some struggles that they've gone through. So I'm very excited to have her. So Beth, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes, it's wonderful to meet you. So please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and then how do you know so much about ADHD? Okay, well, my name is Beth and I am a nurse. I actually have a nursing agency that I run along with my husband in Vancouver, Washington. And I obviously knew a little bit about ADHD um, from nursing school and whatnot. And I started to learn more uh, because I knew my husband had ADHD. And I was looking for being able to support my son uh, as he was coming up through school. uh, And I started to learn about twice exceptional children and some of the challenges that come along with that and learned more about ADHD. And in that started to discover some of the emotional symptoms that go along with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And so started to see myself as well in the material that I was looking for to support the people in my life. So that's, that's the short story. Awesome. That makes sense. So about when were your husband and your son diagnosed? So my husband was diagnosed as a child. Uh, He's not exactly certain when, but he knows he was. Um, He didn't, his parents didn't opt to use meds or do a lot of follow-up. So it was just something he knew existed in his life. And then my son was formally diagnosed just about six months ago. Okay. Uh, we were pretty aware. We had talked with his doctor. It was pretty well known that he likely had ADHD, but we had opted to use a variety of techniques besides meds. But okay. as he was entering middle school and schoolwork was just becoming more of an issue. And we knew it was time to try some medical options. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we got his diagnosis. Awesome. So my next question is, so I, I, I really want to focus on your son. What has changed since the diagnosis? So if there's any, you know, techniques or, tri- or tricks, because you had talked about some techniques, what has changed for him since the diagnosis? 
Well, the medication definitely made a huge impact on his ability to focus on schoolwork. And that rapidly helped his general sense. Before that, we were struggling with him feeling like he was stupid, even though Mm -hmm. he's not at all. And we knew that. Uh, But because schoolwork was such a struggle, that was affecting his confidence. And so uh, quickly, even once he was on medication, even if he didn't have meds in his system, we still see an improvement in his ability to complete tasks because he doesn't get so down on it. So I think it's played into his mental health overall significantly. Mm -hmm. And I think it also helped him to kind of believe what we've been talking about and to feel like it wasn't a stigma. The more that it's about, the more he's comfortable with that diagnosis and realizes that it's not going to limit his ability to be successful We've tried to talk about some of the ADHD superpowers and how those play out in him. And I think that's really, that's really helped him to realize that it's a two-edged coin. And so there's right. benefits to the way his brain works as well. And he can embrace that some. So it sounds like you guys are very open about it. I mean, you have an open conversation. I mean, and it sounds like it's helpful. Is that the case? I think it is. And being a nurse, I tend to be fairly open with my kids about medical sorts of things. And so this isn't anything different. He's always seen me have some struggles with anxiety through his life. And he knows that he has that tendency himself. So when you're open with things, I think it just diffuses that feel the negative feelings around it and helps you to view it. Well, how do I move forward anyways, kind of personality? Right. So about what age is he? He's 11. He'll be 12 next month. Okay. Yeah. It's really interesting to listen to your story because my son, he was actually diagnosed at five years old, but even at five years old, he felt like he just was a bad kid. Wasn't, you know, the person that was the smartest. Um, I mean, he used to get so frustrated at himself and would just be wondering why he would do the things that he did. Right. And so there was a lot of things that um, I I had to move to the right school district. And then I worked with the school to put things in place to help them or to help him birth both at um, school and then at home. And I have seen such a growth and it's just been amazing that to balance it, like you said, with medication and then also balance it with some techniques, I have seen such a growth in him. And so I'm very excited and I may check on you later to see how things are progressing with him because it's just an exciting journey when you're really going down that road. So I'm very excited about that. So just tell me some, uh, well, first of all, Having a household of ADHDers. So, I mean, even though, I mean, you also associate yourself with ADHD. How do you guys work together? How do you manage everything? You know, it's funny because the thing with ADHD is it does represent in different ways. And so, my husband had diagnosed me and formally, of course, with ADHD years before I came to the conclusion that he was right and that I had ADHD as well. Uh, But I definitely lean more towards the uh, inattentive kinds of symptoms, Mm -hmm. whereas he tends to lean towards the hyperactive symptoms, uh, probably a combined type, but we definitely see different presentations. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up running a business together. And the beauty of that is we can really use our strengths and weaknesses and we balance each other out. And the more that we kind of openly address that. So for example, 
he can't fold laundry. It drives him crazy. It overwhelms him. I can fold laundry. Mm-hmm. Now that said, in the past, when I wasn't balancing things as well, that didn't happen a lot of the time. So we just Gosh. had this permanent pile of clothes. But so I fold the laundry. It's not something that we argue about when we have a skill. Um, you know, that said, he walks behind me and closes covered doors because for whatever reason, that's not something he does. That drives him crazy. But I'm constantly leaving covered doors open. Mm. So similarly with our workflow, we try to balance. I mean, I also have an operations manager who on our team who's fantastic. And so um, between the three of us, we try to divide up and look at all of those components. And she actually self-identifies as ADHD as well. So Mm -hmm. it's really funny because we seem to magnet, like have a magnetic force that draws us all together. So it's a lot of systems. Uh, One of the things I learned about before I thought about the ADHD component was minimalism, which I am not a minimalist, but I definitely took that concept of decluttering and, you know, owning less clothes and owning less things. And that makes life so much easier and outsourcing. So not being afraid to hire a cleaner once a month, like to, to use the things that we are good at to offset those areas that are a little bit more of a struggle. And Beth, that is so important because as ADHDers, we are so, it's just so hard for us to ask for help, right? We want to do everything ourselves, even though we know we're not good at it. So the fact that you are balancing that and you know, okay, this is something that I need to hire somebody for. I just either don't have time for it or I'm, that's just not my strength. And I love that you're doing that. So that's very good. Very good. So I, so now I want to talk about you guys individually. Um, so you mentioned a couple of things a little bit earlier, but each one of you, what do you guys use as individuals to help you stay on task? For example, I mean, you know, organization, is there something you do for organization and for your son? Is there, you know, is he on an IEP or do they, does he do something at school or does he do something at home? So just, just like a few examples of what you guys do to help organize. Oh, sorry, help help your ADHD. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a huge bullet journal fan. I I love my bullet journal and it's made a huge difference. Um, So that's that's a big one for me. My husband, he tends to, he does use his phone uh, as a calendar, which I do as well. But he also uses the notes feature a lot and he uses a lot of shared notes. So if there's things that he wants to make sure my son, our son is getting done or if there's shopping lists, anything that, he needs me to remember, he'll put it in a note. Or he actually, um, because I was using my calendar more consistently, and he kind of eventually jumped on board with that, we would put his appointments into my calendar. And so uh, his calendar is still shared. So I can see if he adds an appointment to his calendar, a doctor's appointment or something, it'll show up in mine too. And so then we have two brains to try and remember where we're supposed to be. My son is actually homeschooled. He was in public school until the beginning of fifth grade. He's a sixth grader now. Um, The first year was fairly rough, but um, as we were starting to homeschool him, the pandemic hit. So then all the schooling was virtual anyways. um, And then the school stayed virtual. So this fall, he kind of asked, hey, what do you think about going back to public school? And I was like, oh, no, we're not doing virtual schooling. We're already doing this homeschool thing. We're writing this out. And so he's actually, he's really liking that now because he can spend more time mountain biking and, you know, mowing lawns and doing 
other things and not just being in class. So that may be a permanent feature of our, our lives. We're still kind of deciding on that. So uh, exercise and physical activity has always been something my husband really relied on to manage his symptoms. He's helped encourage me to incorporate more. And then uh, my son also. So um, they're both more driven towards adrenaline sports. Uh, my husband was heavily into freestyle motocross in his teens and actually competed at like professional levels oh, at nice. one point. So yeah, fortunately now they're mountain biking, which is a little safer. Uh, we didn't have dirt bikes for a while, but um, that's something that they love and they've gotten me into mountain biking and so, um, and other snowboarding, those kinds of things. So the physical activity component is huge for all of us. So that, that's helpful. So for the homeschooling part, have you put some things in place for him to get through schools? For example, maybe breaks after so many minutes, like how do you help him just his day flow pretty good? So this sounds really counterintuitive for ADHD because a lot of ADHD is about around kind of relaxed and helping them to focus on their interests. Mm -hmm. But what we actually decided to do after a bit of a process was a pretty formal all-in-one curriculum just for a little while. And so each subject is naturally divided and he just needs to accomplish a certain number of pages each day. And my goal is once we, since he does want to continue homeschooling is to switch back to a bit more of a relaxed, but still structured approach next year. Okay. But he really needed to be able to have something measured and structured. And I did, I was anxious that even though I knew he was learning a lot, I wasn't sure if we were hitting all the right benchmarks, those kinds of things. So um, that's actually working. And I think it's really, he doesn't absolutely love the material. So it's helping him build the idea that won't it be nice when it's still structured and I still need to do this many, you know, this much time, but I, I can pick a little bit more what subjects I want to study again. And he's pretty good at fidgets and brain breaks. He actually does a lot of his schoolwork at our office, which is uh, just in like uptown Vancouver. And if you're not familiar with Vancouver, Washington, it's not a huge city. Okay. Um, he's able to, in between papers, he goes out and he goes for walks or goes out in the neighborhood and he likes that. So it works. It gives him a chance to stretch and, you know, do something else and, then usually if he's at home, a lot of times if he's done well at his schoolwork, that's usually where we'll take some time for me to support him more on subjects that might be hanging him up. But okay. otherwise, he's uh, able to do more of those interactive moving around sorts of things that he prefers. Yeah. And um, well, I want to ask you the social piece of it. So how is his socializing? Because I know that mine has struggled with socializing and interacting. Actually, it's really weird. My daughter actually likes to be the center and my son is afraid to like connect with people and have long-term friendships. So how is his social piece and doing? And before I, before I ask the next question, you just answer that one first things. <laughs> that was part of what made us decide that public school was something he needed a break from. It was really eating him up. He desperately wanted friendships, but he was very sensitive. He had a lot of that rejection sensitivity stuff going on, which I didn't really have a name for at the time. I just knew he was miserable. And one of the things we struggled with in his middle elementary years was he loved soccer. 
and he played soccer every day at recess, but those were some of the same kids that he played soccer with were the ones that were tormenting him and making him miserable. But he didn't have the judgment to be able to say, well, maybe I should pick a different activity so I'm away from those kids. So we just kept repeating the same same Mm -hmm. cycle. Um, So interestingly, the pandemic obviously was hard on him socially at first. He had a, a good network of friends anyways um outside of but then pandemic hit he didn't get to see those people but in the long run he's probably in a better place socially now than he ever really has been uh because between homeschooling and the pandemic we also so we're part of a religious community that gives them an exposure a lot of it's via zoom right now but to people of a lot of different ages and a lot of different backgrounds that all take an interest in him and so In the process of having less options, he started to appreciate socializing with people who were older and younger and more of a diverse group of people. So I watched him at one point in my office have a really delightful conversation with a a student. So he was a caregiver that it was in to take a test and was probably 23-ish and turns out had ADHD himself, which I found out because they had a whole conversation about it. So he started to be able to relate to a lot of different people. So I think, and obviously we're just at that point where, you know, things are starting to open back up and starting to look at, well, what does, what does socialization with friends look like? What does that look like after you can get your vaccine when you turn 12? And so he's excited to, we're in a new area. We moved about an hour away. So he wants to build some new friendships, but obviously it's all socialization is a weird thing these days. So, yeah, it is a weird thing these days. But like I said, it's just really interesting to see socialization through their eyes. Right. And mm-hmm. I actually I will say I guess I would say I'm in between my children. Like I said, my daughter, she just craves socialization and she lives for it. And she, you know, wants a lot of friends and he wants friends sometimes, but he doesn't know how to approach him when he's ready to socialize. I was kind of in the middle, right? Um, There's times where I really want to to be around people. And then there's times where I've said, I just want to be alone, but I still wanted to have the ability to socialize. And that was really hard for me. And I didn't realize how hard it was for me until later on in life where I would, I moved to a whole new city and I had to get out there to meet people. And that was really hard as even an adult. So it's always interesting to hear other stories around those who have ADHD, just to see how they do things. So that's, that's really interesting. So I want to ask you for parents, let's talk about the adults first who are struggling, whether they should even bother getting a diagnosis, especially later on in life. What would your advice be to them? Well, for me, the reason I didn't seek a diagnosis was because by that point, I didn't feel like I was struggling. I had struggled, but I'd also received a lot of wrong diagnoses. At one point, I was even given a diagnosis of mood disorder, not otherwise specified, which was tough because that literally means the doctor has no idea what's going on with you. So by the time I started to put the dots together, like, okay, this is what's going on with me. 
I had developed systems. I had discovered bullet journaling. I had gone through a period of minimalism. I hired a housekeeper for once a month. Like I had done a lot of things to where, to me, it was, what am I going to get out of this process? Right. And, and then recognizing where I fit, all of a sudden, a lot of things clicked and I was able to stop beating myself up so much for and go, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not just this weird outsider. There's a place where this all fits. So for me personally, I didn't feel like I was going to get anything. I wasn't interested in medication at that point. And for me, that would be the primary thing. If I get to a point, because I know, so I'm 40. So I know for a lot of women, when they move closer to menopause, symptoms can increase. So if that happens, I'll definitely seek a diagnosis at that point. But if you're struggling, if things aren't working, if you don't have the coping skills, or if you think that medication is a good option, which, or even if you don't have another option, I think it's a really good option to look at. I would definitely encourage someone to do the steps to get a diagnosis. Okay. That makes sense. So what about the children? So obviously you recently got your son tested and again, there's a lot of parents who are struggling with that because of the, and I guess adults also struggle with, struggle with this, but the stigma, right. And having that label for their child, what advice would you give to them trying to make that decision? You know, I would have gotten my son diagnosed earlier if I'd realized some of the benefits of it. One of the Mm. things that I learned my doctor had mentioned when he diagnosed my son was that kids who take stimulant medications for ADHD are actually half as likely and have a low, I think it's half, I might have that statistic wrong, abusing drugs later in life and actually have a lower rate of addiction than kids who are neurotypical. Okay. So whereas a lot of people are scared to try meds because they're worried about addiction, they're worried about those things. The science doesn't support that. The science suggests that early diagnosis is beneficial. So, and in our case, I did have a tendency to research a lot. I've done a lot of things. Um, I've done a lot of work on uh, dialectical behavioral therapy on my own. That did make it a little easier for me to support my son, but I still think early diagnosis is a great option and it's a great option for parents to get the support and find the support network. So yeah, I think um, the key to your question is like, if you're struggling, so if you're struggling, you should access resources, you know, it's it's like, so at what point when you're struggling to not drown, do you get a lifeguard to help right right away? Don't wait. Yeah, so that, that's my, yeah, that's very real. Yeah, that's very real. And, and I don't, how do I say this? I didn't realize how much stigma there was around this, right? My parents were always very open people. I will say more my mom than my dad, but very open people. So we talked about health issues. We talked about, you know, menopause and we talked about all of the things that most people don't discuss. So when ADHD came around, I was excited to tell people, this is what my son is, has been diagnosed with. And this is why he was doing the things he was doing. I was very open about it. Right. So when I really came into the community, it, it was an eye-opening experience to see how many people are treated because they have ADHD or those who don't think ADHD is even a thing and people who don't like the label. I mean, just all of these different aspects, it was so surprising for me. So yeah, so that, that was just a, a shocker. So that's why I like to ask almost everybody, you know, from their perspective, 
would they advise people to get diagnosed or get tested? Would they not? And what are the reasons? Because it's always interesting to hear people's different stories. So no, that makes sense. All right. So is there anything that we may have missed that you might want to just um, share with the the audience? Anything that you want to talk about? I don't think so. I, I think uh, one of the things that uh, when I started my Instagram page was just because I did sense some of that stigma, particularly as a healthcare provider and a business person, there's an element of, well, if I talk about my personal mental health struggles, how does that impact how people view me as a professional? Is it right. going to make me appear less competent? And definitely the other thing I really wanted to accomplish was to encourage people to get active and look at their whole wellness component. So that's one of the things that we've seen as super beneficial is time in nature and time biking and whatever people's passion is hiking, but spending time outdoors. So that's really one of the things I would encourage people to do is whatever their treatment plan is, look at how nature and activity can play into helping. Love that. And if they have any more questions, how can they get a hold of you? Um, so I actually have a blog called uh, Paul Style Adventures in ADHD. Mm -hmm. And they can find that. You can find me on Instagram under the same hashtag. And then that would have my email as well. So they're welcome to reach out. And then our business in Vancouver is in it together RN. So they could also look up that and email us through that. Perfect. And last question, is there any resources that you could recommend? So whether it's books, YouTube channels, podcasts, anything that has helped you through your journey? So let's see, ADHD understood is one of my favorite, really kind of nerd out. I like her page a lot. Your page is awesome. And then my favorite ADHD book at the moment is ADHD 2.0. I think that yes. uh, Dr. Hallowell. Yep. Okay. I'm like, let me not look at that name. <laughs> his mental image. My husband and my son are both car guys. And his mental image of a bicycle with Ferrari or a Ferrari brain with bicycle brakes <laughs> really spoke to them. And I, I think he's got a really practical, solid understanding. So I, I think if you haven't read that book, you absolutely need to. It is awesome. And actually, I'm almost done with it. So I'm on like chapter eight. And I think there's like nine chapters and it's an easy read. So anybody who's listening, it's a very easy read. Yeah, it's so good that I listened to it on Audible because that's how I tend to take in most yes. of my books. But I wanted the resources. So I had to order the book also. So I had it like as a reference. Yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's a good one. It is a good one. So Beth, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story, your family story. I know it's going to help so many people. So thank you for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. This is lots of fun. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.